Well, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. In two weeks, on June 7th, we're going to safely begin to reopen our church services at the church. Of course, on Sundays at 9.30 and 11. And also, on that week, on June 7th, we're going to begin a brand new series that I'm very, very, very excited about called Unshakable, Thriving No Matter What Hits You. And I think it's a great series in light of a recent events. Um, I don't know if you've ever felt like, if you've ever felt pressured to make choices that don't necessarily line up with your values. Uh, and one of the things that I, that I'm always thinking about is, you know, our world is changing so rapidly. And as the world's values continue to drift, we need to be equipped with the resources to handle whatever life throws at us. And so in this series, Unshakable, based on, uh, the life of Daniel, uh, the Old Testament spiritual giant, Daniel, uh, you're going to discover how to handle life's most difficult situations and the principles that guided Daniel through very difficult life choices are going to help us. Um, they're going to teach us how to respond when you feel pressured to make the wrong, to make wrong choices. When, when you want to thrive in a, in a hostile environment, in a, in a difficult environment, maybe your boss is, man, he's a jerk and, and you, you're trying to figure out how do I, you know, how do, what do I do when, when I'm put in a place that's not safe, that's not fun? Uh, we're going to learn what to do uh, when you succeed uh, or how to succeed, excuse me, when you're, when you're asked to do the impossible. Um, we're going to learn uh, what to do when, when you want to stand strong for God publicly and you want to pray the kind of prayers that, that God answers. And so, uh, over the next few, um, beginning June 7th, or the next few weeks after that, uh, when your world is shaken up, when you are pressured to conform, when your beliefs are belittled, when you are asked to, to do the impossible, we're going to look at Daniel and we're going to learn some incredible principles on how to deal with those things. We're going to learn, um, from, from those that came before us. And so that begins in two weeks, June the 7th. Next week, we will finish our series on the Trinity. And our worship team and I and a few other key volunteers, that we're going to be at the church and we're going to show you our, our new setup. There's a lot of things that have changed. We've rearranged our, our seating. Uh, we've remodeled the stage. We've gotten new lighting. And, and we, of course, we've uh, implemented a few new guidelines to help keep your family safe. And so make sure that you tune in next week so that, so that you get a glimpse of kind of what the new norm is going to be. So today is week number two as we continue our three week series on the teaching of the Trinity. Last week, we learned that the Trinity basically got the Father, got the Son, got the Holy Spirit are one in essence, but three in person. Now, I want you to take a look at this diagram, and hopefully this will shed a little bit of light on kind of what, what I'm talking about. If you look at the center circle, there's exactly one God. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. 
But something that you need to take into consideration is that the Father is really not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is, is not God. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to unpack, we're going to decipher the mystery of the Trinity. Now, you may say, why is it a, min- a mystery? Well, it's a mystery because essentially what you have is one plus one plus one equals one. And that's nonsense. That doesn't make sense. You have one, got the Father, plus one, got the Son, plus one, got the Holy Spirit, and all three of them equal one. And so the idea that three persons add up to one individual seems like nonsense, right? I mean, and and really, to be honest, logically, it is. And so Christians don't try to understand the doctrine of the Trinity logically or or as a problem of arithmetic. You can't do that. It's it's impossible. So what I want to do today is I want to... I want to share with you two things. Number one, I want to share with you what the Trinity is not, because there's a lot of misconceptions out there. There's a lot of, of object lessons and illustrations that, that are really not, they don't do justice to the concept of, of the Trinity. The second thing that I want to do is I want to share with you the different roles that each person of the Trinity plays. Okay, so what's what's the role of the father, for example? What's the role of of the son? What's the role of the Holy Spirit? So we're going to look at each one of those. And my hope is that you'll have a better understanding of who God is. So let's let's go ahead and begin by looking at what the Trinity is not. So number one, the Trinity is not one person who appears in different forms or modes. Let me let me say that again. The Trinity is not one person who appears in different forms or different modes. Now, if you have something to write down with, um, I encourage you to take some notes. Or if you if you have your phone in front of you, go ahead and type some of these things. I think it'll help you remember. It'll you'll be able to retain the information uh, a little bit better. One of the illustrations that breaks down that we use is the illustration of the water. Uh, I've used it myself, so don't feel bad if, you know, there's nothing wrong if you try to use that illustration or that object lesson uh, to shed light on a, on a difficult concept. But what I want to do right now is I want to expose some of the holes. I want to expose some of the, the misconceptions so we can, we can have a more complete, a better understanding of the Trinity. So what they, what the illustration basically says is that the Trinity is like H2O, like water, because it can be found in different states. You, you have liquid, you have solid, you have steam. And it, it is a simple illustration, but it falls short. Here's the problem with the analogy. Each part or each state is never in the same form, in the same state at the same time. So when water is in liquid form, it's liquid, not ice, not steam. But here's the thing with God. God is always fully God while being 
three distinct persons. So Jesus Christ is 100% God, just like God the Father is. The Holy Spirit is 100% God. And so Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're not like second-class citizens. Okay? So number two, the Trinity is not three different gods. The Trinity is not three different gods. So uh, another one, another illustration that is often used is the illustration of the egg. I'm sure you've you've heard of it before. I, I'm sure I've used it myself. So they say that the Trinity is like an egg because the egg has three different parts, right? You have the, the egg white, you have the yolk, you have the shell, but it's one egg. Now, it's a great illustration and, and it, it works at a very basic level, but it breaks down as well. Why is that? Well, the problem with this theory is that each part is only that, just a part, and cannot be said to be the entire thing. So so if you take the shell of the egg, that's just a shell. You, you can't say, if you just take the shell and remove it from everything else, the shell is not, it's not the whole egg. Does that, does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. Yet, when, when you look at Jesus Christ, like I said earlier, Jesus is a hundred percent God. A hundred percent. All right. The third, uh, there's a third belief, which in my opinion is, is also false, that claims that, that basically in the Trinity, the Son and the Holy Spirit are subordinates to the Father in nature and being. So there's a third theory that says, oh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're basically under God the Father. They say that the Trinity, the illustration that they give is the illustration of the Son. And they say that the Trinity is like the Son, made up of body, light, and heat. And basically what they say is light and heat radiate and only exist because the body exists. And, and what this theory claims is that, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not equal to God the Father. So we're going to look at this in, in, in depth next week. Um, and I'm going to show you how each person in, uh, of the Trinity, basically they're all co-equal, they're all co-eternal, they're all the same. And so we're going to look at that at uh, next next week, okay? And we'll we'll go. We don't have time today to to do that. So what's the the three things the Trinity is not? Did, did you get them? Give me a thumbs up if you got them. If you're on the chat of, on our, on our church platform, give me a a little thumbs up. I'd love to get feedback from you guys. So what are the three things? Real quick. Number one, not one person who appears in three different forms. Not not three god three different gods and not God the Father ruling over God the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, what are the roles of each one of the persons of the Holy Spirit? Like what what roles do they play? I mean, they they're huge roles, very specific as well, very important roles. So let me give them to you. Number 1, God the Father is the great architect of creation and and redemption as well. He plans, he directs, he sends his main role is to put this thing together and to literally 
like like I said a second ago, he's a great architect of creation and redemption, and he plans and directs and, and he sends. Think of a, a band director, a construction foreman. Think of, of um, somebody that's just leading a, a group of people and, and that person knows, you know, all, you know, they know the plan and they know what the outcome should look like and they know, and then they, they delegate and they tell everybody what to do. So in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when they, when they fell short of God's glory, essentially the serpent came, the enemy came, tempted them, and they ate of the fruit. God, from that very moment, God the Father put a plan of action in motion. Now, I want you to see it with me. In Genesis 3.15, this is what God the Father says. He says this, Genesis 3.15, he says, And I will cause hostility, war, in other words, between you, that's the serpent, God the Father is speaking to the serpent, between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He, now pay attention to this, that he is actually Jesus, okay? He, Jesus, will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Now, that may be a little bit difficult for some of us to understand, but basically what this verse is saying is that Jesus is going to have victory. One day he's going to have victory over sin and death, but it's going to come at a cost. Jesus is going to strike a fatal blow to the enemy, and he's going to conquer in death, and he's going to have, um, he's going to conquer sin, but it's going to cost them the suffering and the anguish of the cross. And so God the Father is the one that put that motion uh, or that plan into motion. Now, an easier passage to understand is John 3.16. Like we, we all know that, that scripture, right? John 3.16 and actually verse 17 as well. It says this, For, for this is how God, this is God the Father, loved the world. That he gave, again, he's the, the one that's orchestrating all of this, says that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Now in verse 17, it says this, God, look at that next word, sent his son, God the Father, sent his son into the world not to judge the world, I love that, but to save the world through him. It's all over the Bible. Uh, I mean, you, you look up, uh, there's so many examples that I, that I could give you. In John chapter 20, verse 19 through 20, 21, it's a, another great example of how God is the, the designer of everything. He plans, he directs, he sends. Jesus, in John chapter 20, verse 19, it's right after Jesus had died and had resurrected, the disciples are scared to death. They're literally behind locked doors because they're afraid that the Jewish leaders are going to come and, and get them. And eventually, the disciples, all of them, were persecuted. So, so they had a legitimate reason to be afraid. But it, it says in this passage that Jesus all of a sudden shows out of nowhere, nowhere, and he shows up. He shows them his hands, 
basically the wound in his hands. He shows them his side, and all of a sudden they they're they're full of joy. They're, the Bible says that they're filled with joy. And then Jesus says these words. Watch it. Watch this. He says this: "Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me." So I am sending you. Now, I, I, I wanna, I wanna mention something that you have to keep in mind, okay? So I wanna sort of kind of put this parenthesis here in the middle of this, this whole point, okay? Um, and there, there's, there's this one thought that I want you to, to be aware of. The Son and the Holy Spirit willingly submit to God the Father in their role even though they're equal in deity, okay? It's not the Father forcing them to do this. No, no, no. The Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, both of them, they come under God. They submit uh, under God the Father in their role, but they're equal in deity. A couple of examples. In Luke 22, uh, right before the cross, Jesus prays, God, let this cup pass, but... Not my will, yours be done. What's, what's Jesus doing? He's submitting um, to the will of the Father. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, after Jesus gets baptized, Jesus comes out of the water. The Bible says that the heavens opened up. He sees a, uh, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and settle, settling on Him. And then the Bible says that a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son whom, who brings me great joy. So what's happening in this passage? Both the son and the Holy Spirit are willingly submitting to the father's will, basically in their role, even though they're equal in deity. So number one, what's the role of God the father? He's a great architect of creation, of redemption. He plans, he directs, he sends. Number two, God the Son, what's Jesus' role? His role is to obey the Father, to accomplish redemption, and with along with the Father, he sends the Holy Spirit basically to apply the work that Jesus had begun. And in all things one of the primary roles of Jesus Christ is to bring glory to the Father. So, so he, in all things, he, he glorifies the Father. Look at John 15, verse 26. It says this, But when the Counselor comes, that's the Holy Spirit, and this is Jesus speaking, He says, Whom I shall send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness to me. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm the one, along with the Father, that sends the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus, right before He, he left, He told His disciples, I've got to go. It's necessary for me to, to, to leave this place, to leave this earth, uh, for two reasons. One, I'm going to go prepare a better place for you. But secondly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the Holy Spirit. And, and He's going to live in you, and you're going to have the power of Almighty God dwelling in you. So Jesus' role is to obey the Father, to accomplish redemption. He did that on the cross, to send the Holy Spirit, 
to glorify the Father. And one of the greatest examples of this is Lazarus. When Lazarus died, everybody thought that Jesus was late. You know, everybody thought, man, if you would have been here on time, you could have healed him. But Jesus was very intentional about the time that he was going to show up. He shows up four days later, but he was very, it was, he was very strategic about it. You remember what he said? The Bible says this in John chapter 11, verse 39 through 42. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Now watch this. Jesus replied back. He responded, didn't I tell you? that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But watch this. Listen to what Jesus says. But I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they will believe you. So Jesus' whole purpose on this earth and your whole purpose as well on this earth is to bring glory to God. And so so Jesus is saying, I showed up late so that you would see God's glory. I showed up late in your mind. You know, Jesus is always on time, right? He's never too late. He's never too early. He's always perfectly on time. And he says, "I, I did that. And I prayed out loud for their sake so that they would believe you. Now, let's review. Number one, God the Father is the great architect of creation and redemption. He plans, He directs, He sends. God the Son, His role is to obey the Father, to accomplish redemption. With the Father, He sends the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can apply the work that Jesus has begun. And then He brings, in all things, He brings glory to the Father. Now, number three, the Holy Spirit. God the the Holy Spirit. What what is His role? God the Holy Spirit, Spirit brings to completion the work planned by the Father and begun by the Son. And in all things he works to glorify the Son. So in John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's a promise for you. That's a promise for me. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. Is what Jesus is saying. He will tell you about the future. Now watch this. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings glory to the Son just like Jesus or God the Son brings glory to the Father. And he does that when he tells you what to do and it's coming straight from Jesus. And listen to this. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. And so 
God the Holy Spirit brings to completion the work planned by the Father and begun by the Son. And in all things, He works to glorify the Son. Now, when you look at the roles of each one of the persons of the Trinity, and you discover how perfectly and beautifully they work together, it just, to me, it just blows me away. You know, the other day, I was watching Natalie. Uh, she was riding her bike. And, and I was thinking, of course, about the message. And, and I was thinking how the bike has different components that are, that are essential, like, you know, you, the, the tires, the, the, the pedals, um, you have the chain. Like, if you, if you take any one of those components, you don't have a bike. You can't ride the bike, right? And I was looking at it, and I was thinking, man, these work so perfectly. Like, they work together. Like, the chain and the, the, the gear and the, and, and the, you know, the tires and, and the pedals. I mean, it just seems to, it just, what a beautiful invention. Like, I just love to see, to see how someone put, I mean, I, to me, it's just incredible to how someone can put all of these different components and they perfectly fit together and they perfectly function together to, so that one can, can ride a bike. And I thought, and I know that it's a, an oversimplified illustration, but I thought, that's gotta be a little bit of how the Trinity works. You have one God in essence, but all three persons working together in just a beautiful way. All three of them, they're just, I mean, they, their, their roles may be different, but they, they work together for good for those who God loves. And so you have God the Father who is from the, from day one, He's putting a, a plan of action in place so that you and I would have a second chance so that we, so that the human race could potentially be redeemed if we accept Him. And then you have Jesus Christ the Son, God the Son, who executes on that vision and He comes to this earth and not only does He, you know, He goes from being God to being a human being to being a slave to essentially, the Bible says, become, He becomes obedient unto death. And I love how all of that, how His role, along with the role of the, the Father, how they fit perfectly together. And then you have the Holy Spirit that comes along after Jesus leaves to lead us and direct us and give us companionship and to, to show us the way and so that we are not alone. And throughout history, from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, what you see in the scriptures is a God who is doing whatever it takes for your good and for my good. And I don't know about you, but if today, if you are discouraged, if today your world is a little bit upside down or upside down like all the way, if you're struggling financially, if you're struggling with a relationship, if it's a health issue, if it's, I mean, you name it, if it's a test that you're taking that you're afraid of, if it's, if it's um, your, your workplace, Whatever it is, I just want to remind you of this truth that God is doing whatever it takes along God the Father, along with God the Son and the Holy Spirit together in unity. They're doing whatever it takes
on your behalf. You're not alone, friend. I want you to know He loves you unconditionally. And He's here for you. And if you ask Him, and if you don't know Him, if you ask Him, He will live and He will dwell in your heart. I know that's difficult to understand, but He will. He'll give you peace that passes all understanding. He'll give you supernatural peace that like the world sometimes we don't get. It's not logical, right? Just like one plus one plus one equal one. doesn't doesn't really make sense, right? But He's there for you. We're going to stop there. We'll pick it up next week. Next week is going to be fantastic. You don't want to miss it. We're going to, we're going to talk about the Trinity. Excuse me. Uh, we're going to, we're, we're going to talk about the Trinity, but we're going to highlight the Holy Spirit. And, um, and I hope that you would, you would join us, uh, next week. Uh, let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for your love for us. God, I pray for those who are listening to this message. May they be reminded of uh, the beauty of the Trinity. May they be reminded that you're a God who loves us unconditionally. And God, may we not quit. May we not give up. May we not um, doubt you. And may we see, God, that throughout history, you've always been there for us. Even when we don't understand it, even when our minds cannot comprehend you, in our circumstances, God. May we put our faith in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a great week.